The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York City, and here is your top five at five. Tech stocks continue to come under pressure down big in just a few days. Is it the Fed or is it something else? Deal News, Oracle reportedly in talks to buy an electronic medical records company for 30 billion bucks. FedEx shares taking off after the company beat the street, helped by higher shipping rates. The CDC making a new recommendation on COVID vaccines and which one you should get. And as the Elizabeth Holmes trial draws to a close, prosecutors argue the Theranos founder, quote, chose fraud over failure. It is Friday, December 17th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good Friday morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you all for joining us. And we have all of that, plus your exclusive insider buying segment coming up with one really well-known name getting in on a big buy. That is later on. But right now, let's get to the markets and your money and futures. They are very, very mixed. We are seeing NASDAQ futures down, I don't want to say big, but they are down a couple of tenths of 1%. Dow futures up more than 100, but tech, that is the one to watch. This coming off what is another down day for the NASDAQ. You got Fed rate hike fears sort of being touted as the main reason for the sell-off, and that is certainly the case. But you've also got some maybe some underlying options activity as well that is taking place. 70 million single stock options are going to expire today. That is the most that has ever occurred, and that certainly could contribute to the uh, volatility recently that we have seen. So we are seeing a mixed futures trade as well. Uh, let's move on if we can. We've got bond yields. They are still lower. The price of oil moving up uh, just a little bit as well. So technology stocks are the ones to watch. In fact, the big names, Apple, the ones that move the markets, they have been the ones that are down uh, mostly this morning. All right. So Let us move on and get a check on some of your top corporate stories this morning, including a pretty big deal said to be in the works. Silvana Hanau joining us with the details on that. Good morning, Silvana. Good morning, Brian, and happy Friday to you. So, Brian, Oracle is reportedly in talks to buy electronic medical records company Cerner. The journal says the acquisition could be worth around $30 billion and an agreement could be finalized soon. The tie-up would let the software giant push further into healthcare. Shares of Cerner up sharply this morning. Meanwhile, Rivian posting quarterly results last night. Its first report as a public company. The EV maker telling investors it's seen a surge in customer reservations, but it's warning it needs to cut vehicle production expectations for the year. Rivian blames supply chain issues and challenges ramping up production of the batteries that power its vehicles. Rivian shares at down this morning on the news. And in COVID news, the CDC is now recommending the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines 
over Johnson & Johnson's jab. The agency confirming 54 cases of people developing blood clots and showing low blood platelet levels after J&J vaccination. All of those patients were hospitalized and nine people died. The CDC says the U.S. has abundant supply of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, but those people who want a J&J shot will still have access to it. Some important news there, Brian. Yeah, uh, and the stock down about one and a half percent. It's certainly news there on the vaccine front. Savannah, yep. thank you very much. You got it. All right, let's get back now to the markets. Investors continuing to digest the Fed's more aggressive stance to fight inflation, including the potential for up to three rate hikes next year. Now, technology stocks with high valuations, they tend, not always, but tend to get hurt in rising rate environments because it drives down valuations. Check out the NASDAQ 100 down 2.5% yesterday and now off almost 7% from its recent high, although context is key. It is still up 23% on the year. But five stocks, Apple, NVIDIA, Microsoft, Tesla, and Amazon, accounting for more than half of the 425-point drop recently on the index. Let's talk more about that, tie it all together, focus on next year, and bring in Phil Palumbo. He is CEO and CIO of Palumbo Wealth Management. Phil, uh, thank you for joining us. We have the Fed out here. We've got this huge options activity, all that expiring today. So who knows what might happen on Monday? We're rolling into a new year. What is your take on sort of the underlying mechanisms of the stock market right now? I continue to consistently say that inflation is a big problem. It's going to be a big problem in 2022. The Fed's going to even have to be more hawkish than we saw on Wednesday, which rates are going to go higher, which technology will continue to break down. Yet how much of this is the Federal Reserve? Because the market acts on what it thinks will happen. So if it thinks we're going to get three rate hikes next year, it's theoretically moving now for that. Can stocks overall hold up in a rising rate environment in 2022? I think parts of the stock market will hold up. I think small caps, I think financials, industrials, and materials, so more of the value play will hold up going into 2022, but anything that is speculative, anything that's overvalued, think about Rivian you just talked about, right? Rivian was trading at a market cap greater than Ford and General Motors, and, and it basically has no revenue. And that's the type of euphoria that we've been seeing all year in 21, which I've been consistently talking about. That can't continue. And then when you're faced with rising interest rates, when you're faced with inflation being problematic, and you think about what the Fed's been talking about, think about what the government's been talking about in terms of, in terms of income inequality, the lower income household with inflation as high as it is, is suffering through this. So that's why you're going to see the Fed act more hawkish, which means rates are going to be higher, which is going to be, continue to be problematic for technology. And the and technology sector is showing that right now. You know, I, I hate to go back to, I, gosh, Phil, what is it, 1996, 1998? I'm getting old. Irrational exuberance. Remember those two words from the former Fed chair, Alan Greenspan? Do you think we are in parts of the market a little irrationally exuberant right now? Brian, it's exactly that. When you, and you think about it, it's right in front of our face that there's a bubble forming in technology or has been forming for a while. There's tremendous euphoria with NFTs, with cryptocurrencies, with parts of the technology sector that got to extreme valuations. That's not investing, right? Like I look at investing, you think about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. They've doubled the market since they've been investing and investing in good quality businesses, earning a dividend, good cash flows. And they've had tremendous success. And there's, there's investors chasing these meme stocks, chasing these overhyped 
um, technology stocks, and it's problematic for investors. And that's what we're seeing the speculation off and it's boring stocks on. Yeah, Phil. So if that's the case, and you obviously sound a little bit worried or concerned, nervous, whatever the word may be, where will be the good and potentially safe places to invest next year? Yeah, so if, as interest rates rise, financials will be an outperformer. So my feeling is next year as we go into it, value will finally outperform growth longer than investors are anticipating. So I think you could do well in that particular area there. And as far as small caps, small caps have under, underperformed large caps. They're the cheapest in two decades. When interest rates rise, small caps tend to outperform. And 60% of the small cap index is industrials, materials, financials. So that particular area, I think, both well. So think about in 2000, technology imploded and what did well going forward. Energy, industrials, materials. And I believe that's where we are today. Phil Palumbo, CEO and CIO of Palumbo Wealth Management. Phil, we appreciate you getting up early, my friend. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. We'll see you soon here on CNBC. Take care. Thank you. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, we have got a long way to go on this busy Friday. And when we come back, Goldman Sachs out with a big call on oil. Is 100 bucks a barrel ahead? We'll bring you details of the call. And then Europe under fire. Energy prices soaring. Could Russia drive us into war over Ukraine? Lee McCroft is here. Stay tuned to busy, very busy hours still ahead on Worldwide Exchange. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back and good morning. If you are just joining us here on Worldwide Exchange or just waking up, why don't we check out the futures because they are very, very different right now. Something we've not seen a lot lately. Normally this morning or, you know, any morning we see sort of all the futures go one way or the other. Not the case today. Dow futures, they are up triple digits. Not a lot, but over 100 bucks. But the NASDAQ futures, that is the one to watch because they are down about seven-tenths of 1% right now. NASDAQ has been weak the last few days, and of course, I don't need to tell you, it's all about market structure. We have talked about, number one, all the underlying options activity. we got the biggest number of options expiring today ever in the market, 70 million single stock options. And, of course, it is the big tech companies, the Apples, the Microsofts of the world that really drive the boat. They, I mean, they are so big, they run the show. So NASDAQ futures... Down about seven tenths. That is the index to watch. 
Let's also take a look at some of the cryptocurrencies as well. They are down across the board. In fact, Bitcoin is back below $48,000. All the major coins are lower right now. But let us push on to energy. Commentary out from Goldman Sachs saying that oil demand could hit a new high next year and again in 2023. Damien Kervalin is Goldman Sachs' head of energy research, also saying it is possible that oil could hit $100 a barrel. He says demand already at record levels and that air travel, especially internationally, could also recover to pre-pandemic levels next year. That, combined with limited supply growth, could send oil prices markedly higher. And staying with energy, as we showed you yesterday in the RBI, natural gas prices in Europe are at a record high. The Dutch front month gas contract, which is a benchmark in Europe, closing at the equivalent of 145 euros per megawatt hour. That is the highest close ever. Effectively, they're paying $40 for natural gas in the same contract we show you in America, which is just below $4. It is a similar equivalent for the British equivalent, which hit a record of $3.59 pounds per thermal unit. Russia, of course, or Europe rather, relies on Russia for about 35% of its natural gas. And now we have more than 100,000 Russian troops lined up on the border of Ukraine. Let's talk about more about all of this with our friend Halima Croft of RBC Capital Markets, also a CNBC contributor. Uh, Halima, I know it's not on the front pages here. COVID sort of dominates the news flow. You got 100,000 Russian troops on the border of Ukraine, sketchy natural gas flows to Europe, Putin sort of saber rattling those prices we just showed our viewers. How does this all play out? I mean, those prices could go shockingly higher if we get a formal Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is something that the U.S. intelligence agencies are warning about, a possible invasion in January involving 175,000 Russian troops. This is a frontline security concern. And the big issue is, will there be negotiations? Will Putin climb down? Can Western nations give Putin the assurances that he's looking for that essentially Ukraine will never join NATO? Or is he looking to basically remake a security architecture and take Ukraine? That is all very much up in the air right now. Well, we kind of think there's no way that Putin would do it. But listen, hey, he's getting older. Who knows what he might do? Uh, his legacy is on the line in certain ways. What do you think happens? What, what does he want to make him pull back? Is it just the approval of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? I mean, Brian, I don't think we can say with any certainty that Vladimir Putin will not invade Ukraine. I mean, certainly that is seen as a live option in Washington. Again, U.S. intelligence agencies warning that it could come in January. I think the Europeans are more sanguine about this. The Italian prime minister was out yesterday saying, you know, Putin just wants negotiations. But what he's looking for, you know, assurances that Ukraine will never join NATO or also that there'll be no NATO exercises in Ukraine or the Black Sea, it's unclear whether the West is prepared to formally offer that. I mean, privately officials will say that Ukraine is far away from ever joining NATO. There are serious governance issues in Ukraine that would prevent immediate NATO membership. But Putin does not like these military exercises in the Black Sea near his border. And the question is, again, does he just want those assurances or is he simply looking to remake a security architecture in the region? So I think this is a very, very precarious situation that has major implications for natural gas in Europe, but also oil markets as well. When you talk about a $100 oil forecast, 
the path to getting $100 is some type of major security incident involving Russia. That would be part of the equation. Yeah, talk to us about that, because they are tied together. Russia, of course, the key member of what we call OPEC+. Plus. It is the third largest producer, or maybe the largest, depending on what numbers you believe, of crude oil in the world. How do Russian oil flows tie to what is happening now and what the potential U.S. response may be? I mean, this is a real concern of officials in Washington, that if you were to get to a situation where you had a Russian invasion of Ukraine, obviously the West would impose significant sanctions on Russia. They would probably look to kick them out of the SWIFT payment system, go after the ruble, the ability to do debt transactions. And how could Russia respond? Russia could respond by cutting off oil and gas flows. In 2009, they essentially halted flows into Europe via pipelines in Ukraine. There's also a concern. Would they hold back oil supplies? Would they potentially try to get OPEC plus to pull back barrels? So this is a real concern. If you're concerned about a tight energy market, the situation with Russia and Ukraine should be a front and center concern as we look out to January and February. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about European gas prices. I know a lot of our viewers in the States may say, well, who cares? Well, the reality is that you could have millions of people that don't have heat or can barely afford heat this winter. That's going to be a humanitarian crisis crisis and we should all care about that. I mean, they're paying 10 times more, 10 times more, Halima, than we are right now on the spot market. Uh, How do you see that playing out? And what do you think will be the ultimate impact on Europe from that this winter? It is it is a bad situation there. And if it's really cold, it could get worse. I mean, right. It's a very precarious situation. And we don't have an SPR for gas inventories of natural gas levels were very low. And so there's a real concern, is there surge capacity in a cold winter scenario? And that does not even take into account a situation where Russia were to pull back supplies for political reasons. You mentioned the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, that is being held out by this German regulator. If we have a Russian invasion, the Germans have said they're not going to go forward with Nord Stream 2. And so there is a real supply issue with Europe going into winter. And this Russia situation could make it much, much worse. Yeah, uh, more than 100,000 Russian troops on the Ukraine border. It is a very tenuous situation, very scary for a lot of people in the region and something the world needs to pay attention to. Halima Croft. We appreciate, as always, my friend, your insight on it. Have a great Friday, a good weekend. Merry Christmas, and we will see you soon. Alima, thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. All right, on deck. This morning's top trending stories, including a heartbreaker. Don't tell me about it. For Chargers fans like me in overtime last night, if you missed the game, we'll show you the lowlights. That's next. Today's big number, 52%. That's the increase in fintech adoption in the U.S. this year over 2020, according to a survey by financial services company Plaid. Nearly 90% of American consumers said they now use a fintech product. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome or welcome back. Why don't we get a check on some of this morning's top headlines on a Friday? NBC's Philip Men is in New York now with those. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Schools across the country are on high alert after a threat of school violence today went viral on TikTok. The full details of the post and where it originated are unclear. Hundreds of posts have since circulated on social media warning others to be careful. While authorities say there are no credible threats, many U.S. schools are taking precautions like increased police presence. Some are even closing, including the Oxford County School District in Michigan, where a November shooting left four dead. A spokesperson for the FBI says the Bureau is aware of the situation. In a statement to NBC News, TikTok said it is working with law enforcement to look into the warnings about the potential school violence, even though it hasn't found evidence of the threats originating or spreading via the app. A search warrant has been issued for actor Alec Baldwin's cell phone. Police want to review all text messages, photos and location data as part of the investigation into the shooting death of Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust. Baldwin has previously denied any responsibility. An attorney for the actor tells NBC News, quote, we are confident the evidence will show that Mr. Baldwin is not responsible civilly or criminally for what occurred. And he continues to cooperate with authorities. All right, switching gears now to the NFL. On the field here, the Chiefs traded touchdowns with the Chargers in Week 15. It was a nail-biter. You saw Justin Herbert on that last-minute heave with the game tied at 28. It sailed overhead. But in overtime, which did not last long, Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. He took it all the way to the house, ending it. For the Chargers, Brian. Ah, Brian. So the Chiefs escaped L.A. with that 34-28 to win. We talked about it yesterday. You said you were going to stay up to watch it. It was a heck of a game. It did not go your way. The Chiefs, I mean, they left a lot of points on the field, a lot of field goals. I have never seen so many turnovers inside the five-yard line. Yeah, that, it, I'm not in a good mood. i going to say that. Uh, yeah. We went. How many times did the Chargers go for it on you know fourth and? I, I admire the aggressiveness of it. I think three or four times, didn't get it one time. Uh, yeah. One field goal might have made the difference. And also, uh, yeah, thinking about Donald Parham, you know that terrifying. I don't know if you yeah. saw the game. The beginning of the, the game, they uh, he was carted off the field, looked like almost having a seizure or something. So our best to him. Hope he yeah. is well. It was just a, it was a rough game to watch on many levels. Yeah, uh, Philip Meta, but anyway, having a great weekend, my. Yeah, have a, have a great weekend. I'm off for like the next, I don't know, three weeks. So have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right. You. you too. Thanks, Brian. Not because of the game. Not because of the game. Just like just oh, okay. generally just getting a break. All right, Philip. <laughs> thank well, you. Although the game doesn't have, the game does not help. It was a, it was a, and then I went to bed. I'm thinking, why did I stay up? What a brutal. Anyway, coming up, if you think the options market is too wonky to pay attention to, think again. Why? What is happening there? 
could have a huge impact on your money. We are seeing futures down big on technology. NASDAQ futures off down nearly 1%. And a gentle nudge. If you have not already, be sure to follow our podcast. You missed the show any day. No worries. Chargers pretty much missed every opportunity last night. But don't miss WEX. Check out the podcast. We are back right after this. Investors beware. It is quadruple witching day, but is that as scary as it sounds? Dr. J, John Najarian is here. He will lay it all out for you. Deal news. Why Oracle could be getting ready to make a $30 billion bet on healthcare records. Plus, troubling new stats on COVID cases in New York City is the Big Apple prepares to ring out 2021. That is Friday, December 17th. This is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome or welcome back and good Friday morning. Just about 5.30 here on the East Coast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Here's how your money in the global markets are setting up their day. Stock futures, they are doing something that we have not seen in a while. They are decoupling, diverting, different. Whatever word you want to use, Dow futures, they're up. Not a lot, but they're up about two-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ futures, though, they are down on a number basis. More than Dow futures are up and down nearly 1%. Could be another tough day, in other words, for NASDAQ and big tech. And here are some of the NASDAQ laggards right now. You've got all these weak stock, Pinduo, Duo, JD.com, two China-based companies, as well as NVIDIA. They're down about 2 to 2.5%. There has been a lot of weakness in big tech lately. NASDAQ 100 now down nearly 7% from its recent highs. If the futures hold out through the day, the NASDAQ 100 will be down more than 7% from its highs of just last week. Now, Fed rate hikes, they're being touted as a potential reason for the recent weakness, and no doubt that is playing a part. If interest rates go up, valuations on high multiple names like tech will often get compressed. But like we have talked about so much on this show in the last few years, it is also about market structure. What happens underneath the hood and the headlines of the market? And check this out. 70 million single stock options are expiring today. That is the most we have ever seen in one day. So all that underlying options activity could play a big role in the recent volatility as well as volume and could be adding to the selling pressure on many big cap technology names And of course, this could all change on Monday when options get cleared through. But that options activity, and dare I say it, the negative gamma trade, wonky but important, could play a role in the markets today and really what has been happening this week. Speaking of tech, as we showed you, some big name Chinese companies, they are selling off sharply in Asia overnight. Alibaba, of course, the biggest, but got Meituan, JD, as we just talked about, Baidu and Tencent. All this comes... As the U.S. announcing yesterday, it was imposing trade restrictions on more than 30 Chinese research institutes and entities over human rights violations, as well as national security concerns. Some of these names are down 1, 2, or 3% again this morning in what has already been a disaster of a recent trade for many of them. All right. Meantime, in corporate news stateside, Oracle is reportedly in talks to buy electronic medical records company Cerner. The Wall Street Journal says a deal could be worth around 30 
$1.5 billion, and an agreement could be finalized soon. A tie-up would let the software giant push further into health care. Shares of Cerner, no doubt, are up sharply this morning, up 15, almost 16%. Oracle down about 3%. Meantime, Apple telling its workers to delay their return to the corporate offices now indefinitely amid a rising COVID cases in some parts of America. In a memo to staff, CEO Tim Cook says every employee will also receive $1,000 to outfit their home for remote work, a story that we told you about on yesterday. And speaking of COVID, New York City's COVID positivity rate has doubled in just three days from last Thursday to Sunday. The percentage of positive tests in the city spiking from 3.9 to 7.8%. While a top health advisor to New York City's mayor is sounding the alarm on these numbers, he does add testing is up sharply. More tests, more test positives. And many more tests are being administered in New York compared to other places across the country. Just something to be aware of. All right, now back to the markets. And today marks a quadruple witching day. 70 million single name options will expire at the end of the day. Joining us now is a man who has forgotten more about options than most of us will ever know. John Nigerian, co-founder of Market Rebellion <laughs> and a CNBC contributor. John, 70 million plus single stock options expiring today. I got to imagine that is part of the reason for the market volatility lately or, or no? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Brian. And um, the, the part that uh, you mentioned about the gamma trade uh, gamma is, of course, the rate of change of delta. And one of the reasons that you have that is I think you had a lot of A, complacency, B, um, a lot of people who had sold options, which means they take on an obligation to do things, in some cases to buy stock if they were selling puts. So the fact that they'd been making money as the market just kept uh, climbing up, you know, half a percent a day for the last two or three months, it seemed, uh, that was a pretty regular pattern. And then we'd slip back and then they'd sell more of those puts and it would just go right back. And those puts were all finishing out of the money. Well, this time around, it doesn't seem like they will. So to your point, there's an awful lot of folks that are probably nervous about being put a lot of stock at higher prices because that's the obligation they took on. Um, but one thing, I guess, if you wanted to say, hang your hat on something, Brian, um, volatility didn't jump nearly as much as it did um, with the first cases of Omicron being reported just after Thanksgiving. I mean, volatility was up yesterday, but it only made it up to 22 and a half, and it pulled back from there and finished at 21 and change. So this is not at all like what we saw before. That was because we didn't know what Omicron was. This time it seems like, oh, well, yeah. some people got caught doing something they shouldn't do. Same thing they do with cryptos, Brian. When you have too many people leaning one way, then they kind of give it a little bit of a push. Yeah, I think you're right, John. Honestly, looking at you know, doing this for as long as I have, I don't think COVID honestly has anything to do with what's happening with the equity markets right now uh, because you're seeing this divergence. I mean, Dow futures, they are higher. To your point, this negative gamma idea is if you're short a call option, and the markets are going up like they were. We've got to remember, last week was the best week for the S&P 500 since February. So we're coming into strength. People who were short the market yeah. got sort of called out without their clothes on in certain ways. And so that rate of decline goes down. But on a more macro level, John, do you feel like maybe we are in 
some sort of a rotation. Listen, we've talked about this. You've talked about it for years. Out tech in big, boring companies, it's never worked out long term. At some point, you wonder, will it actually matter longer term? I don't know. Yeah, and that'll depend on, you know, whether it's bond vigilantes or the Fed that gets the interest rates uh, moving higher. Uh, because right now it's just that taper. It's not pushing interest rates really in a marketable or in a big way, Brian. Um, but certainly there are some nervous folks there. And I was in New York yesterday. The lines for those testing sites, I was just walking by them. Um, some of them told me it was three and four hours um, at those testing sites. And I haven't seen anything like that in any other city that I travel to. Only New York. And I guess New York's unique for a lot of things. They'd rather not be unique for that. Yeah, we saw a little bit into Miami as well. I think maybe hopefully people just testing ahead of the holidays, meeting with loved ones. We're going to find out mm -hmm. how it plays out. John, you know, the, to your point, though, the VIX is not at 40. I mean, if the market was truly spooked and there was, we would see the VIX spiking. You mentioned the VIX is up a, a couple of ticks, but the VIX, at least to me, and tell us what, what you see is not indicating some giant irrational fear right now. It's at 21 and a half. It's elevated a bit, but not even close to where it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, th that's exactly right. And um, the market, uh, usually you do see those spikes and then it takes a while to work our way down. In fact, it took that rally you mentioned last week to take it back down below 20 after that jump that saw it spike all the way up to 36 or so. So to see it go from 18 and a half where it was a little over a day ago um, to 21, uh, you know, 9%, 10% moves. Yeah, those are big moves, but um, it's coming off of a low base again. This isn't showing us the sort of fear that we'd expect if indeed they were going to keep hitting or hammering on these stocks. Whether you use the VXN for the NASDAQ 100 or the VIX uh, for the spot VIX of the S&P 500. Yeah, what are you expecting, John? We're heading into the new year here. Obviously, volume tends to go down, but volatility thus could spike if people you know, take off, whatever they may do. What are you expecting after this big quadruple witching today? What do you think happens heading into year end? Um, I, I think some of the tax loss selling um, will accelerate a little bit, Brian. They no longer need that T plus three. They can do it right up until the end of the year. So some of the names that are being sold off here, I'm sure, are people that were waiting, hoping they wouldn't have to take that hit in Snowflake or take that hit in CrowdStrike or whatever it might be, those high multiple stocks that you're talking about. And instead, they're sitting there, well, I, I guess I better take it now because uh, if I want to book that loss, I can't buy it back for 30 days, wash sale rule. So I have to um, exit before the end of the year and then I can't buy back in January. That probably makes a lot of those stocks pretty attractive in January to my way of looking at it, Brian. Yeah, we're showing Snowflake, by the way. Snowflake shares down $75 in just the last three weeks. John Adjarian, it's great to have you on the program. As always, my friend, I know it's early. I know it's brutal, but we love you for it. You're just a, you're just, you just do it. You get it done, John. That's why we like it. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Brian. You too, sir. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome.
All right, thank you. By the way, BNP Paribas, I was a note yesterday saying they see about $100 billion in selling net coming into equities heading into the year end. All right, coming up, your big money movers, including one shipping giant known as FedEx and what it's doing. But as we head to break, some of your other top headlines, closing arguments have begun in the criminal fraud trial of former Theranosio Elizabeth Holmes. In the three-hour closing pitch, the U.S. Assistant Attorney General arguing Holmes chose to deceive investors and clients, calling that choice, quote, not only callous, but criminal. Holmes' attorney counters she was building a company, not a criminal enterprise. Meantime, a federal judge has thrown out a $4.5 billion settlement with OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma, a settlement would have shielded the company's owners, the Sackler family, from future opioid lawsuits. But the judge said the bankruptcy court did not have the authority to do that. The ruling could upend Purdue's plan to reorganize in bankruptcy. Purdue plans to appeal. And shares of a firm are down again today. Yesterday, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau announced it launched an inquiry into the buy now, pay later business. The firm's competitors include PayPal, which also dropped on the news. We'll get you more headlines as we are seeing futures on technology stocks down big on a Friday morning. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Let's get a check on uh, some of the stocks that we need to be watching on this Friday. Look at FedEx. Revenue jumping 14% in the company's second quarter. Higher shipping rates helping offset rising costs from labor shortages. FedEx reinstating its profit target for next year and launching a new $5 billion stock buyback. That stock up nearly 5% right now. All right, on deck. It is your exclusive weekly insider buying report, including a big bet on a company with the name of the buyer also in the corporate logo. Can you figure that out? And it's a big money trade as well. We'll show you who it is. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you missed the show any day, check it out. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the major podcasting apps. We're seeing Dow futures up a touch. NASDAQ futures down a bit. And we are back right after this. Time now for your weekly insider buying exclusive segment where we highlight the top five stocks being bought by their C-suite level executives with their own money. Again, not stock buybacks. These are insiders buying their own stocks. And as always, the data comes with our thanks to insiderscore.com slash Verity Solutions. And as always, we are counting you down five to one on the top insider buys. So let's go. The fifth most insider buying this week, Thor Industries, the chair and former CEO with just over a $1 million buy of the RV maker. Shares, by the way, minus 19% this quarter. And this is the first buy in years. So buying into weakness by this insider. Stock number four is Smart Sheet, S-M-A-R, the ticker. First time hearing, by the way, about this company. Never heard of it before putting this together. A director there bought just over a million as well. They note he was a seller last year. So this is a reversal of sentiment for him on Smart Sheet. Stock number three is Sentinel One, ticker symbol S, board member, buying four times what he bought in July's IPO at 35 a share. So he's buying into strength and he is buying on size in Sentinel One. Bought at the IPO, buying again with his own money at a higher price. By the way, they got the former ticker of Sears. Remember that single letter S? Stock number two, this was your tease, Ford. 
Bill Ford Jr. buying up eight and a half million dollars of Ford, his single biggest buy of the stock that his great grandfather founded. By the way, Insider Score Verity also notes this: Bill Ford Jr. recently exercised options at twenty and a half million dollars. So, including this, he has put about twenty-nine million of his own money into Ford stock this month, and he's buying into strength. Ford shares up a hundred and thirty percent year to date. So, Bill Ford Jr. literally, his name is on the door. Is buying a lot of stock in his own company as the price is at what ten or whatever year highs. That is a name to watch. And stock number one with the most insider buying this week, Axon Enterprises, a ten million dollar buy by a board member, and that is the single biggest ever insider buy of this company, which is formerly known as Taser. They make tasers, police officer body cams as well. Insider Score noting this board member has a very strong track record on buying and timing. So Axon, ten million dollar insider buy by one buyer, a name to watch.、So、there you go. Your top five this week: Thor, the RV maker, not the Marvel character; Smartsheet, Sentinel One, Ford, and Axon. By the way, this will be the final insider buy of the year. I'll be off, off and on the next couple of weeks. We will see you again for the insider buying exclusive segment in the new year. So, happy trading! By the way, these stocks overall have outperformed the market in the last 12 months. Well, we try to call it Opportunity Fridays here on Worldwide Exchange, trying to bring you actionable ideas in the markets. And one of our favorite guests is back with us. We talked about an often overlooked group of names. We talk about the big caps. We talk about the small caps. We don't talk a lot about the mid caps. Joining us now to do just that is Amy Zhang, Executive VP and Portfolio Manager at Alger, also recently named U.S. Equity Manager of the Year by the Women in Asset Management's Award. Well deserved, Amy. Congrats on that. Love having you back on. Good morning.、Uh, let's get right to it. You always bring these new names we've never heard about. You make me work. Herc Holdings. This stock up a hundred bucks in a year. But you're still a believer. How come? Well, first of all, thank you, Brian, for having me on again. Always great to be on your show.、Uh, yes, Herc is、uh, as a way of background. It was a spinoff from Hertz, the、uh, rental car company, in 2016, and the Herc Rental is the third largest rental equipment company.、Uh, what we like about it is because it's really in the early stage、uh, of upcycle of a multi-year. Uh, you know, boost of the U.S. construction, and、uh, and the recent infrastructure bill is also a very strong catalyst、uh, for Herc. And you know, now we are in an inflationary environment, so having pricing power is very important.、Uh, we think Herc will continue to have you know strong pricing power. Uh, and also, the recent you know supply chain shortage will will fuel that、uh, you know pricing power in terms of、um, uh, having strong demand but not enough supply.、Uh, but there's also a secular、uh, trend you know from、uh, own, own ownership to renting because of better cost flexibility and 
you know, better um, asset utilization. And in this market, as you know, valuation is extremely important. Uh, Herc still trades at a significant discount to its uh, larger peers, United Rental and Sunbelt, which is owned by Ashtag. So we think it's going to be a catch-up play um, and also in, uh, in addition to its margin expansion. So both EPS growth, uh, you know, surprise, we think, uh, and also multiple expansion. Watching Herc Holdings, it has been on fire this year. All right, stock number two, it, you know, and again, we think if we drive around our neighborhoods, Amy, and we see all these different landscaping businesses, and I never really thought of it as a national scale business, but your next pick is a play on that Site One Landscape Supply, one of the few, or maybe the only publicly traded companies in just the home landscaping industry. You think that's going to provide a big runway for maybe even roll-ups or just bringing together what is a really highly fragmented market? Yes, exactly. Um, you know, Site One is the largest and only nationwide distributor of landscape supplies. Um, it's a very simple story. It's just very, it's it's a dominant player in a highly fragmented market, like you said. Uh, they are four times bigger than its nearest uh, competitor. Currently, they have 13% market share uh, in the 20 billion uh, market. And we think, you know, through consolidation, because they are industry consolidator, um, and through um, their self-driven M&A program, which has been highly successful, uh, we think they can get to 40 to 50% market share in the next several years. And also, very importantly, uh, they have um, very strong pricing power. They're able to pass off their, you know, cost. And uh, in, in fact, you know, last quarter, they, they had a 15% price increase. So clearly, uh, that's a, a big, you know, a positive uh, in this environment. And, uh, and so we also think, you know, there's a potential for margin expansion. Uh, and so that's why we think uh, it's still, you know, the stock is still very attractive at this level. Okay. And your final pick on this opportunity Friday for us is, I mean, it's kind of a boring old company, Signature Bank, well known to people in the in New York area and sort of the mid-Atlantic and Northeast area. We don't think about banks like this very much. They're not Goldman Sachs. They're not J.P. Morgan. But looking at your own notes, I'm just quoting you back to you, Amy, as I like to do, because you're a lot smarter than I am. A hundred billion dollars in added deposits. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's massive growth. That's from forty billion, um, you know, in two thousand nineteen, and in this rising interest rate environment, you know, that's a, a strong tailwind for EPS growth. You know, because that deposit growth, they have a lot of money in the ca um, in cash now, so that can be put to work in this, you know, a rising yield environment, and will lead to you know very strong uh, loan growth. Um, and uh, we also, it's, so it's very asset sensitive in terms of, you know, EPS uh, potential for upside for uh, EPS. And they, they also have a, uh, a sort of a growth engine, a recent growth engine uh, launched in uh, January 2019 that it called Signet, which is a uh, digital payment a platform uh, that, you know, through that, it's sort of a gated community for their clients that uh, their clients can transact in U.S. dollar 24-7, real-time, no fee, mirroring, mirroring the crypto market. So this is really a very, uh, you know, early stage sort of optionality uh, for the crypto market. Yep. 
and the stock is very Her cheap. Her Holdings, Site One Supply, Signature Bank, some great names, Amy, and a well-deserved award to you. We love you for getting up early here on Worldwide Exchange. Have a great day. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, Amy. We'll talk to you on the other side of the calendar. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Oh, very welcome as well. Opportunity Friday, some big new names there with insider buying. And Amy, is names galore for you. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. I will see you on Thursday. I'm headed to Montana. I don't know where that is, but I'm going to go there. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day and a good weekend. Squawk in the gang. Picking up the coverage next. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.